all right. I'm just going to sit down. Do the kiddies want to come out the front? I've got a little story for you. Come and sit up close. We've only got a few today, haven't we? Tell, <laughs> tell me, do you, do you always do what mummy and daddy tell you to do? I can't hear. What did you say? No, you don't. How come? Do you know why? Well, I'm going to tell you a story about a little boy called Michael. I don't think we've got any Michaels, have we? Well, Michael was a little boy. And it was school holidays. And he loved school holidays. So he had a brother and they'd play all sorts of games. And they'd go out and they'd play in the sprinkler because there was no restrictions and they, were they had lots of fun. But every day mum would say, Michael, before tea I want you to pick up your toys. Do you think Michael would do it? No, you're right, Joseph, he didn't. He'd say, yeah, mum, in a minute, and he didn't do it. Next day, Mum said, Michael, pick up your toys, please. Yeah, Mum. But he didn't do it. So finally, on the third day, Mum said, Michael, if you don't pick up your toys, I'm afraid you're going to have to go to your room until you think you can pick them up. Do you think he did it then? Well, he didn't. He thought, ah, oh, no, later, later, Mum, after I've had a swim. Well, you know what happened, don't you? Instead of having tea, Michael had to go to his room and stay there till he could say to Mum, all right, I'm picking up my toys now. Well, all that holiday, Michael was learning that he needed to do what Mum and Dad told him. Quite often he was in big trouble because he kept forgetting. But slowly he learned. And then one day they decided to go on a big trip up to the mountains. They were going to climb the mountain and have a lovely time. And Michael liked nothing more than climbing. He loved climbing mountains. You like climbing? You like climbing? Oh, good. You like climbing? I like climbing mountains too. I'm not very good at it anymore. Last time someone had to carry me. <laughs> it was a big mountain, straight up. Anyway, they, off they went climbing this mountain and they had a lovely time climbing and climbing and climbing till they got to the top. And do you know, at the top, instead of being all trees and everything, it was flat, which was very unusual on a mountain to have a flat top, wasn't it? Michael thought, wow, this is a good place. It was flat, but then it sort of went down 
and he could see a long, long way and he said, oh, great place to be an aeroplane. Do you like being an aeroplane? Yeah. It's a great place to be an aeroplane here. And he started playing aeroplanes with his brother. Around they went and he said, come on, let's go down the hill flying. All of a sudden he heard Dad from a long way yelling, Michael, stop! Now Michael, you know, remember, he'd been learning all the time over holidays to do as he was told. And he was flying and he was going fast down this hill and he'd heard Mike and his dad yelled again, Michael, stop! Michael thought, oh, I better. And he thought, the only way I can stop is fall over. And he fell over on the ground. And he got up and he rubbed his knees and he thought, why? Why did dad yell out to stop? And do you know why he had to stop in a hurry? About that far away, the mountain went and if he hadn't done as he was told, he would have fallen off the mountain. Whoa, when he looked down there, he thought, that's a long way. I'm glad I stopped when my dad yelled. And so Michael learnt that listening to mum and dad and doing as they were, as he was told was a really good thing. Because do you know, mums and dads always tell us things that are best for us. They're not telling us things just to annoy us and irritate us. And that's like Jesus too. He tells us things in the Bible to do and not to do. But it's because it's best for us, because he wants the very best for us. So this holiday, when mum or dad tells you to do something, you see if you can do it straight away, because you never know when you might be running down a cliff and mum or dad yell out, stop, and you'll stop. Okay, now I think there's still some word searches and things down the back for you big kids and colouring things. You might have already done them, but if not, you can go and get them. Just for a little while while I talk to the adults. Okay? Oh. Oh, yeah, untie me. Oh, no. No. No, I don't have a belt. I might fall down my pants. We'll see. We'll hope. Okay. Do you just want to put up the first one? Thanks, Justin. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, it is, but never mind. Sorry. That way. Am I dressed? Okay. Well, now I've lost it. It's going to be an interesting morning, if nothing else. Okay. Thank you, worship team. Those songs, I sort of don't need to do the sermon. The songs said it all. But I'm going to do it anyway, so you have to listen. Last week, Andrew started off with the new series, Daring Faith, and I'm going to continue it. I possibly will repeat a lot of what he said, 
But I figured that's okay. Because if your memory's like mine, you're not going to remember anyway. And what do they say? We forget after 10 minutes what was said anyway. So, but firstly, and I've got to remember what I press for this one, just with the, do I press left, right, or in between? Yes, it's on. Right. Okay, got it. Last week, Andrew looked at um, Hebrews 11. I want to just look at it again for a minute. 11, 1 to 3. So you can read with me on the screen or get your Bibles. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, as I looked at this, I thought, okay, faith is being sure of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What am I hoping for? What is my assurance? Because before I can think about daring faith, I need to know what my basic faith might be. And I thought about it and I thought, okay, what can I believe? Number one, and I'm sure that we can all relate to this, Jesus is the Son of God. That I know. I don't have to think about it or work on it. I know that with the innermost being of me. Number two, Jesus came to earth, lived as a human being, took the punishment I deserved for my sin as Romans 3.23 says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus so Jesus I know without a doubt that I'm a sinner a forgiven one I know without a doubt that I am forgiven as well. That's the big bit. But I have fallen short of, of the glory of God. So Jesus came to earth to take the punishment I deserve. Punishment I deserve is to be separated from God eternally, eternal death. But Jesus took that punishment for me on the cross. He died I believe he was resurrected, came to life. He exchanged. He took the sin, gave me his righteousness. This I know. I don't have to work at this. I believe it. I know it. It's in me. That's the truth. And I thought, all right, what's the hope? The hope is that when I get rid of this body which is beginning to wear out, broke a tooth last night. My own fault, I was eating toffees. I've, I've done this three times, you'd think I'd learn. But anyway, my hope, my hope is that when I die, I'm going to be with God. My spirit, my soul, it will be with God. I'll see him face to face and because I'll have a new body, 
it's not going to disintegrate when I see him. I'll see my loved ones. That's my hope. And I have to admit, every now and again, a little question pops up in my mind. I think, what if this isn't real? But I usually say, nah, I know it's the truth. It is the truth. So I know this. This is my basic faith. Then we really believe that the universe is formed by God's word. He spoke, the Bible says this, he spoke and different things were formed. But what if you don't believe this? What if this questions by people always? What if you've been taught in school right from a little one, evolution? That things evolved, you know, something was formed and grew and grew and grew. But what if, from what I can gather, I wasn't taught evolution as a kid, but they say that some amoeba crawled out of the, the mire or something. But if that was the case, who created the amoeba or the mire? If there was nothing, who created it? And if there was a big bang, who created the stuff to go bang? Whatever you do, you come back to God. He created. And then the scripture. I believe wholeheartedly that that is the truth of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now again, people have question marks. My sister and I, every time I see her, there is an argument about the Bible. Would you believe every time she wins? Doesn't mean she's right. It just means I'm not as good at arguing. She, she, can, she and my brother can turn me in circles with their arguments, but it doesn't mean that they're right. Again, I was, grew up in an era where many of the miracles in the Bible were explained away by our pastors, which is a very sad thing. And this is what my sister still holds to, to the different explanations. As I said, doesn't mean she's right. I believed, and, and it says, it's God breathed this word. It's our manual for living. There's no questions. So that is what I'm calling our basic faith. As I said, you possibly have got little questions about little things, but you've got that basic faith. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. There's no question about it. But what's this daring faith we're talking about? Now, I've got a couple of things that I was reading up on it. And this is one of the statements that I read. It said, faith is nothing more or nothing less than trusting in the character and the promises of God to the point that you act whether you feel like it or not. Now, this is basically what Bernie was just saying, what we were singing, where faith, daring faith to me, is trusting in God implicitly. Trusting him no matter what happens. Doesn't matter, but what 
He is in control. And I think last year that seemed to be my mantra. Doesn't matter. God's in control. Nobody else is greater than him. No one is bigger. No one is more powerful. God is God. So let's look at some men of daring faith. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.7 By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Then Noah, God tells him to build an ark. What's an ark? Probably never seen a boat. It's never rained. We've got water coming up from springs under the ground. He's never seen rain. What's rain? But in fear and respect of God, he gets out there with his sons, builds a boat. A hundred years. Can any of us say that we've persevered in our faith, in believing, doing something for a hundred years? You can't because there's no one here that's a hundred. <laughs> close, we're getting close, but not me, some at the back. But they haven't, we haven't persevered for a hundred years. He persevered for that long, believing God. That's daring faith. Who else? Who else have I got here? Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise Isaac from the dead. That's daring faith, isn't it? Being ready, tie your son up, ready to kill your son. But what to me, and I'm always surprised it's not mentioned in the Bible because I've always thought about this, Isaac. Now from all I've read, Isaac was between 12 and 30, maybe 35 one thing said. At 12, 35, 37, your father takes you into the desert. When you say, where's the sacrifice? And he says, um, uh, kid, I'm afraid it's you. Now, any normal 12-year-old is going to struggle and kick and fight, aren't they? Dad's not going to be able to get him up there. Now, I really have thought about this and I thought, older. It had to be Isaac's decision. To climb up on that altar, let his dad tie him up and go to kill him. Now, how many of you teenagers or young adults are going to climb up on an altar and let your dad kill you? That's daring faith. <laughs> As I said, I don't know why they don't mention it. Obviously, it's not important. But that's just something I thought about was... How did that come about? There must have been a lot more in that story that wasn't mentioned. But that's got to be faith. And then 
couple of my favourites, Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas have been whipped, beaten. They're in a dark, cold, dingy jail, feed in stocks. And they're sitting there and they're moaning, saying, oh, God, why'd you let this happen to us? Oh, I'm so thirsty. Oh, someone get me a drink. Oh, I'm hurting badly. Is no one going to stop me here? Are you just going to believe what I'm saying? <laughs> hey? I really, for a minute, you're all just sitting there serious. I thought the heat's really got to them. <laughs> They're not doing that. What are they doing, Selwyn? They're singing and hymns and praising God. They're not complaining. Big earthquake. Doors spring open. I assume the stocks fly off. I would have been out of there like a shot. The other prisoners, I reckon, would be out of there like a shot. But what happens? The guard's there, picks up his sword, ready to kill himself, and Paul says, hang on, hang on, we're still here, it's okay. Now, what caused Paul and Silas to stay there, the prisoners to stay there, which is even a bigger thing? I reckon it was the Holy Spirit. They'd been praising and worshipping God. And the Bible said God is in our praises. He loves to hear us praise. And I reckon it affected Paul, Silas and all the prisoners. Not one left. And out of this daring faith, the guard and all his household were saved. Daring faith can produce miracles in people's lives. But now the big question, and this is where I got to in my thinking. I love preaching because it really makes me think about things I mightn't have thought about before because I have to have answers before I can preach it. I've got to really think about it. And I thought, all right, how do we get daring faith? And the first thing I thought about was obedience. That's why I told that story to the kids. Right from the beginning, it talks about obedience in the Bible. And I thought about it and I thought, yeah. In Exodus 16, let's read this little bit. Give you a bit of background. Moses has brought the Israelites who have been slaves out of Egypt by performing many mir miracles. God has done this through Moses. They've seen God's miracles, seen how fantastic he is. They've gone through the Red Sea. Now, that was daring faith. Wall of water on either side. You've got to follow Moses. Would you do it? Would you be game to walk between two walls of water? I guess you can see the guys coming behind you in their chariots. That would spur you on, but that was pretty daring faith. Walk through two walls of water. They get to the other side and they're now in the desert. They forget what God's done already and they start grumbling. I'm hungry, I need food, I need water, let's go back. 
And that's where I believe God starts to train them. They want food and God talks with Moses and Moses says to the people, oh, I think they've, they've said, what is this? And Moses says to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. First lesson, wasn't it? God says, I'll provide for you. You pick up what you need each morning and it will be good. But they didn't. Now, the Bible says he was ang- God was angry with them. But I'm wondering, just look at this. It's God, I've got, hang on a minute, guys. I'm saying this in my words. You can read that as well. You just don't get it. I want to teach you that I'm here for you. I want the best for you. I will provide for you every day of your lives. You don't have to worry about tomorrow, next month, next year. Just today. Get what you need for today. I believe that was his first lesson in training them. But they had to learn to do as they were told. Just take enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just as Bernie said, don't worry about tomorrow, the next day, next year. You could get hit by a bus tonight, so what does it matter? And then when it got to be the Sabbath, take two because tomorrow you're going to rest. I'm going to show you that I am so powerful, so faithful, so good, so sovereign that you can get more done in six days than in seven. Now, that's not in the Bible. That was another little bit I read. But again, he was saying, don't worry about tomorrow. I will show you I am God. Now, if your shoes didn't run out for 70 years, the shoemakers wouldn't like you, would they? But Israelites... How long? 40 years. I'm making things up now. You've got to yell out when I get it wrong. (laughs) 40 years. Shoes are as good as the day they wore. I assume clothes were as good as the day. But again, the Israelites, when they get to the promised land, God says, okay, go and take it. They send in the spies. Two, Joshua and Caleb come back saying, yeah, man, we can do this. The others say, "Uh uh-uh. They're big, we're little. And they all get scared and don't go in. And so, round the mountain again. And so often that's what we do, isn't it? Round the mountain, God says, you haven't learned that one. Back around. 
back around. I had a friend who said, I think I've been around the mountain at least for 40 years myself. She said, I'm still learning and that's like all of us. It takes time to learn. That was their first experience of learning to trust and obey God. So what are we going to do to get to this spot of trusting him absolutely? What would it look like if today you said to God, well, I don't care what happens. I'm going to trust you with absolutely every part of me. I haven't got a job. I don't know what I'm going to do. I haven't got income, which is just like Bernie, but I'm going to trust you. How would it feel if in every aspect of our lives we did that, if we said, I'm just going to trust you? I reckon our lives would be totally different. I don't live like that. I want to. I desperately want to, but I don't. I bring down God down to my level quite often. I don't mean to, but my understanding, I bring it back to what I understand instead of what's in here. To trust someone, we've got to know them, don't we? How can we trust God if we don't know him really, really well? You've got to know him. And how are we going to get to know him? Kiara, how are we going to get to know him? Do you know? Yeah. Read the Bible. The more we read the Bible, the more we're going to take in what he's like, what his attributes are whether we can trust him or not. Sometimes things seem so big to us that we don't know. We think, oh, I can trust you for that much, but I don't know about the rest of it. Or for me, it's always, I don't know if I'm hearing you right. I'm not sure. But again, the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. So if God says, I know I'm his sheep because we've had that in the basic faith, I must know his voice, therefore I must hear him. Therefore I just need to listen a little bit harder. Of course, sometimes we can get it wrong. I can remember a time many, many, many years ago, I believe God had told me to prepare a bed. My husband was estranged from his mother hadn't seen her since he was 15. And I believe God said to me, he'd gone down to Melbourne and I don't know why, but God said to me, they're going to be reconciled. And I made up this bed. And the kids are saying to me, why are you making a bed, Mum? Oh, I think we might have a visitor. I wasn't saying any more anyway. He came home and he had nobody with him or anything and I snuck into the bedroom and quickly dismantled the bed and didn't say a word. Well, I couldn't because it might have upset him. So anyway, I just made a bit and I thought, well, I got that wrong, didn't I? I think it was 25 years later, his mum came to visit. So I didn't quite get it wrong, but it was the time element. Another time, I don't know if I got it wrong if I misunderstood. 
but I believed something absolutely implicitly and it affected me deeply. I really believed that what I was believing was right and it wasn't until God brought some people across my path who asked me some very pertinent questions that I realised how angry I was with God. I was furious with him and I hadn't known. I'd still been talking to him and reading the Bible but no one had ever asked me these questions before. And I realised I thought he'd let me down. Instead, through that journey, I became closer and closer to him. (laughs) God is so faithful to us. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we mishear. But God has the big picture in mind for all of us. He wants what's best for us. If Andrew and Rochelle want what's best for their kids, how much more does God want what's best for them? He wants the very best and sometimes it's the most difficult path we can take. Sometimes it means waiting years and years and years. And I know some of us have been waiting years and years and years for our loved ones to come to know Christ, to come to him. God's timing is perfect and we have to realise God is in control. He's in control of our whole life and we need to get to know him more and more and more, to find time to be with him. I was thanking God the other day, I hate the heat, but it's meant the dog has been getting me up at six o'clock. That means I have to walk him. That means I've got time to talk to God because around the block takes an hour with my dog because he's so slow. But good time to talk to God, good time to prepare a sermon. And I've been thinking this year as I read the word, I want to really take note of the attributes of God, what it says about him. I want to get to know him. I really want to develop this daring faith where I trust him with absolutely everything sometimes that means that God's going to test us and I don't want that I'm quite happy for him to teach me but but no really you've got to have what he gives what he allows he can allow some terrible things but if we're going with him not against him it's going to draw us closer and closer and this morning I know I want that daring faith and I want to be prayed for and I'm encouraging you, if you want your faith to grow, to develop, to know that you can trust God in absolutely everything, no matter how it goes and if you get it wrong, he can be trusted to turn it round and bring it for good. Another beautiful promise. All things work together for good for those that love the Lord and walk according to his purpose. Even if you muck it up totally. And there are some things in life that I have mucked up totally, but God can bring good out of it. And that's where we need to be. Imagine walking every day of your life like that, not worrying about anything. It seems far too good to be true, doesn't it? (laughs) 
Whether it's possible, I don't know, but I do think it's a learning thing. And I want to finish off with one little thing. One person's daring faith is not another person's daring faith. Daring faith might be like Richard and Jenny giving up an income, starting the fair trade shop, giving all the profit away. That is seen as daring faith. Daring faith for another person is inviting some people to church, writing encouraging letters with fear that my, someone might say, huh, got that wrong, didn't you? What are you doing this for? Daring faith is doing what God asks you to do, trusting him in absolutely everything. But the first thing is, is to take a little step. 20 years ago, a pastor said to me, you're just paddling, you're not doing anything. And I have to say today, I still feel like I'm paddling. But I want to swim. So come out if you want prayer. If you want to have faith to grow, to walk with God every day. God bless you all. Just as, a, just as the band comes now, just, I just want to say this morning, maybe even this morning it's the first time you've really understood God's love for you. Maybe this morning there's a, a faith that's stirring in you that you want to act upon this morning. And I want to encourage you t- to take that step and say, yeah, I want to have a daring faith in this amazing God. Um, and this morning, you can know eternal life. You can know that confident hope that your life is in Jesus' hands, that he loves you, that eternity is in his hands. And this morning also, as Dee said, if you, if you just feel like you just want to go to a, a different level of faith this year, please let us pray for you now, just as we sing this song. What are we singing, guys? This is Amazing Grace. And I just, can we stand now? And if that's you this morning, I just want to pray for all of us, but if that's you in particular, please come forward and we'd love to talk with you and pray with you together this morning. Lord God, we just thank you for your amazing grace. That Even like the Israelites, that even though they disobeyed, even though they wandered and, and did silly things, God, your amazing grace is greater. That Lord, for us, even as we do things, we, we make mistakes, we stumble at times, Lord, we just thank you for your amazing grace that never lets us go. God, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, You have an amazing grace that, Lord, by faith we are saved. Not by our righteousness, not by the good things we do, but by our faith in in you, our great God. And, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to have a more and more daring faith, Lord, in this year. God, I just thank you for people this morning, Lord, that maybe even this morning it's the first time that they've put their faith in you. Lord, I just pray that you would let that faith grow. Faith is is an active thing, Lord. I just pray that you would help that faith to grow and grow and grow and grow this year. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you that you are a God who's worthy of our faith. Help us, Lord, as we walk forward this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.